0: I joined this, um, this wrestling club called the elite, which was really hard to get into. And I got into it. And I was like, so proud to be part of it. And I remember going to the very first tournament and Greg Williams, who's the head wrestling coach at UVU right now, but he was, um, he was my, my freestyle Greco coach at the time. He went out there and I was wrestling my match and I got tapped through the match and come off for, our, for the period break. And he's like, Hey, you're, he tells me three or four things i am doing wrong. Like, Your elbows are out. You're high, like a couple things. So I'm like, okay, I heard it. So I went back in and I, and I did what he told me to do. And then it the kid. And he, I remember I came off, I came off, um, the mat, And he looked at me kind of weird. I was like, what did I do it wrong? And he was like, he's like, I have a ton of kids I coach. He's like, but I told you to do something, you went and just did it. He's like, you are one of the most coachable athletes I've ever met. And in my mind, when he said that, like for me it was an identity shift where I was like, because prior to that, like if if I'm honest, like my identity was like, I'm dumb, I'm not very smart. Like I struggled in school. I barely passed high school. Like I I wasn't a good student. um, and so I always thought I was dumb. And when he told me like you're coachable, like that became again my identity. I was like, hey, I'm coachable. I when someone tells me something, I'm gonna do it.
1: Continuing to make our way towards our 600th episode celebration, I'm thankful for everyone who has sent an email. Contact at theculturalhall.com sharing either your favorite memory from the Cultural Hall's 600 episodes or... Or that uh, have shared a uh, like a voicemail, right? You went into your phone, you went into your voice recorder, you said, you know what, this is great and here's why. And you sent that along to contact at the cultural hall.com. That's a great way uh, for those that have slid into the DMs and said, hey, you know what, we really appreciate uh, what the cultural hall does and here's why. Thank you to all of you folks and to the folks that have gone to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall and said, you know what. I've gotten 600 episodes for free. It's high time I start paying some money. Uh, I appreciate that you guys do that as well. All and everything is appreciated. Do you know what's not appreciated? Those of you that have done nothing. So do something. It's 600 episodes for crying out loud. It's more than a month of my life that I have shared with you. Have you never shared something back to the cultural hall? I mean, the song goes, you've got to give a little. You've got to take a little. You've got to send an email or a DM or pay some money a little. Those may not be the right words, but we'd really encourage you, if you've listened to this for any length of time, to say, hey, you know what? Here is what we would like to tell you about the cultural hall and and here's the best part. Even you first-timers, maybe you're coming to this episode for the very first time and you're saying, well, I, I couldn't possibly share love and devotion. I've never listened to this before. Well, guess what? At the end, you'll have listened to it and then you can tell people about it or then you can do one of the things that I aforementioned. All right? I just wanted to say aforementioned. So let's get into this episode of The Cultural Hall.
2: Jesus to live righteously.
1: It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and I'm excited to in in uh, invite here to be able to speak with uh, a friend of mine. Yes, he is, in fact, a friend of mine. It's funny to me when I say that to some folks, uh, and we'll talk about why. It's Russell Brunson. Welcome, sir, to the Cultural Hall. Hey man, so excited to be here. <laughs> uh multiple years in coming and it and it's funny to me cuz you are that uh, 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 that friend of mine. When I say, "Oh yeah, Russell Brunson, sure." Yeah, he and I went to high school together. He's a good friend of mine. That people go, "Shut up." <laughs> no you don't. You don't sure. know. You don't know who that is. If I ask him if he knows you and he says, "No, man, I'm going to clown you for the rest of your life." is what a few people have said before. Uh <laughs> some people listening to this may go, "Who Russell, huh?" What do I, huh, <laughs> who? Uh,
0: tell, tell people why they might know who you are. Oh, man. Well, uh, well. yes, we went to high school together, and yes, we knew each other. So there, there's official video proof for anybody yes. who's wondering. Uh, no, but post high school, I went and wrestled at BYU, and then I went on a mission, and then went and wrestled at Boise State. And when I was there, I started um, a little business that um, I was trying to figure out how to make money so I could support <laughs> this girl that I wanted to marry. And uh, that business over the last 20 years has turned into a big business. I've written three books now. I'm a New York Times bestselling author. We launched a software company called ClickFunnels that serves, you know, close to, you know, over 100,000 active entrepreneurs use our platform. And we have five five or six million entrepreneurs on our email list that we serve and talk to every day. And I have a chance to travel the world speaking with people about entrepreneurship. And I always weave God and in Christ and these kind of things into those those lessons, which offends some people and some people love it. And so- Uh, it's, it's been a fun journey and it's, uh, yeah. So I guess any of the entrepreneurs who you knew are the ones who are like, sure, you know, Russell. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the folks that are like, he's the goat, the greatest of all time. I can't believe it. I can't believe that you would know him,
0: you know, and all, and all like He was things. a dork. We didn't even like him that much. <laughs>
1: well, and to me, I'm just like, yeah, it's Russ, the guy. I know he took state in wrestling in high school. I remember that. And I remember, <laughs> tell me, where'd you serve
0: your mission at? New Jersey. Okay. What's that yeah. like? Oh, it was amazing. it was. um yeah, it was Cherry Hill Mission back in the day. It's not there anymore. But yeah, we covered southern two-thirds of Jersey, and um, it was amazing. And you know, I was like an awkward, shy kid. Like, I didn't talk to anybody. Like, I was just – I was the, the weird kid. And man, my mission, I learned I learned so much about myself and about God and about just what was possible. And anyway, it was huge. Do you
1: think it was the, the mission then that started kind of to this trajectory? Obviously, it y- – y- I think that you would have landed on being a provider for your family. That's the character and kind of person that you are just in general. But do you think it was the, Hey, the, the socially awkward, let's, let's get you out of this. Let's get you knocking on doors and telling people about Christ that kind of opened up that window to you or, or what changed with you?
0: Not necessarily. In fact, it's funny. My last, um, so we do big events every year. So uh, we usually have about five or 6,000 people that come to these events And no my mission pre- yeah. <laughs> and my mission president who I hadn't, I hadn't spoke to in a long i mean and 15 16 years uh we reconnected and then i invited him i was like well i'm doing this event if you want to come so he came with his wife and it was funny because um you know i'm on stage doing my thing and teaching and talking and having a good time and then afterwards i brought him and his wife uh back you know the mission presence wife backstage and it was funny because um he's got a, he's from from georgia's as a deep you know southern accent and and, uh, they both kind of look at me funny. And, uh, he, president Giddens looked at, at his wife said of all the missionaries that ever came through our mission. Would you ever believe that elder Brunson would be doing this? And she's like, you were the least likely of every missionary that ever came through to actually be doing this. So I don't know if it like, um, I don't know what, was like, I think on my mission, one thing I love that I love watching good speakers. I love watching president Holland. I love watching, uh, old videos, of McConkie, like, like the presenters in our church who were like amazing. I like, I love watching them. And I like, uh, like i respect that so much i used to love watching how they would present what they would do and how they told stories and like that fascinated me but i don't think i learned that skill set on my mission maybe more so than i had in high school for sure but it was after that that um when i had started having a chance to speak i I would look at those people who i who i looked up to then and like how do they do it and how do they tell stories and how's president holland every single you know set you know uh, general conference to this day like like no matter what's happening i'm like stop everything like this is the most important talk the only one that actually matters like get in here everybody all my kids and um, like the, the power of people who are, who are good storytellers. Like I really learned to respect that and love that on my mission for sure.
1: And you talk about those events. I mean, it's pretty powerful just to even see some video from some of the things that you do, because it's not like, well, then Russell got to the stage and he, you know, he very politely said, Hey, here are some things for you to consider. Like it, it, to me, it feels a little holy roller ish and people are, you know, like a little, a little shouty and it's a uh, revving everybody up and all those things. <laughs> Uh, to me, it just seems like such a, a a difference and such a similarity to like what you're talking about, general conference and stuff like that. Can you imagine a scenario where we're in the conference center and it's like, ladies and gentlemen, the next person to the stage, Elder Jeffrey <sighs> alhone and everyone, God,
0: God, like, they I so like I wish it would be. So it's funny because, like, I wish it would be because I I remember my mission. This one area we were in, there was a new convert, and he was sitting in the back. Uh, a little Spanish guy sitting in the back row. And I remember it was during church and he's in the back, like on the front of the seat. He's like, snap it. Like, you're supposed to talk. Like he's, could, everything he can to control himself from just like, you know, yelling hallelujah out. And I remember at first, I, you know, I was a kid from Utah, I'm like, what is he doing? Like, yeah. And I remember afterwards we went to his house and I was talking to him and he's like, he loved the church, loved everything. But he's just like, I miss being like, he's like, when you feel the spirit, you just want to yell and scream. And, and I remember like, I always thought that was kind of weird. But then later in my life, um, I had similar experience. I would go to uh, business events. Like, cause I got excited for every reason. I got interested in business but I go to these business events and the speakers would teach amazing things, but they were so boring and everyone's there like half asleep. <laughs> I'm in the back, like doing the same thing. I'm like, Oh, like do people realize what this could do to your life and your bit, how much money you can make? And like, I was freaking out about those kind of things, but it was like this, this weird energy in like the business world is boring. And then I went to a Tony Robbins event, which I don't know if you've ever experienced Tony live um, he's the best in the world. And, and, you know, we're jumping and screaming. I remember the first day, um, I lost my voice day two, I had shin splints day three. I was just like (laughs) a wreck. You know, we walk on fire, like all this kind of stuff. And I remember experiencing that. And I was like, I still learned, but like, but like I changed. It wasn't just like, Oh, I learned something technically. It was like, I had this emotional physiological change in my life because of that. Like, and so when we started doing our events, I was like, I want both, like I, I need I want to teach good stuff but like you, without the energy, like it's boring. Right. And I wish, like, I don't know if you read uh, Joseph Smith's talks, like him uh, doing the King fallout discourse. Like I picture him as a fiery preacher. He's like yelling and shouting at the crowd. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And like, ah, uh, like I wish we had more of that. Like it anyway, but that's, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the boss yet. If they ever made me the boss. I would bring some of that, some of that back. But until then, like, I'll just, do what we're supposed to do <laughs>
1: elder brunson we'd uh, like to call you to be our meeting specialist uh, the a, little, coordinator.
0: a little fire
1: a little brimstone please a little uh you know some of this stuff i i i find it fascinating just kind of looking at that and 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 being able to see from being the quiet uh you know sort of reserved, maybe you, uh, you're using your words the socially awkward kind of thing to where you're at now um is it is it grace of God? Is it just following the talents that were inside and allowing them to kind of rise out? Like what what do you what do you attribute? That that's a pretty massive change. What do you attribute that to the to being able to do that?
0: Um that's a good question. And I don't think I could have answered that a long time ago. Um because for me it was weird. Like I always had like I had my the, you know, the church side and like the, you know, that side. And then there's like Russell business side. And in my mind, they're always very separate, very different things. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I, I hired a, a coach and she was amazing, but she was the first person to help me understand like how in line, like what our, what our personal mission is, like what we're doing for work wise, how it syncs with like our mission from God. And it was interesting because um, you know, I th- like, I always think about like when I received revelation you know, like in times of life, like, Oh, like my wife and I were going to get married. So we fasted and we prayed and went to the temple and then they got the answer. And like, those happen for sure. But, but like, I never correlated, like how, how God is involved in all parts of our life and how we're receiving revelation. And like this coach I had was helping to see really, really well. She's like, you've been a really good steward of, of the ideas you've been given. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, she's like, these aren't just your ideas. I'm like, I, I definitely know they're not like, but she's like, God gives people ideas and, and, he may give the same idea to five or six people. And he's trying to say, like, who's going to be a good steward of this idea. It's so a lot of people who have the idea or have the inspiration or the idea or the thought or whatever, and they don't do anything with it. And eventually God's like, well, if I give, if I give them this idea or this, this inspiration or whatever, if they're a good steward of it, I'll continue to give you good ideas. If you're not a good steward, then, then I won't. Mm-hmm. And I definitely believe that. So like in my life, it's just like, I would get things like ideas or, or just whatever. Like, I don't know what everyone calls it. For me, it's just ideas, right? I get an idea and, and I just got really good like, that's a good idea. So I would just act on it, even though I'd be scared or I fear all these things. It's like, I'm gonna move forward in faith. I'm just going to do it because like, it's like a good idea. And I would do it. And as I as I did that, like I get more ideas and I did, I get more ideas. And it's like this continual thing. And, and I look at now, like what, uh, what we do as a company in the business and like my, my personal mission, like it is all, you know, it's, it's short term about helping people start businesses and, and get out of the pain and, and the the bondage of, of finances the long term is like get them out of bondage of finances because then they can they can literally change the world they can serve more people they can they can go into charities they can they can focus on their families like they can do more so much more stuff when they're out of the the financial bondage to hold people back and so that's what we do we uh in fact it's it's interesting we uh like one of our internal company mantras is we help liberate and educate people like we help liberate them from the bad things and educate them so they can change the world and the same thing it, and it's we we have two charities to work with as well one one is um, uh, Operation Underground Railroad, who's liberates literally liberates children from sex slavery. And another one called Village Impact, which helps educate children. So Liberate educates what we always are trying to do. And so me, for me, anyway, it's kind of a long, a long answer. But the answer, I, I think, is just um, I was a good steward of ideas. And I think that most people, unfortunately, aren't. They're scared of it for so many reasons, which is understandable. Um, and so I think it's one of my missions in, inside of what we're doing is to help people to like in fact, I'm, I'm working on my fourth book right now. And the book is all about that, like faith and fear. Like, like that's the, that's the, the fight that everyone's having every single time. Any choice comes up, any, any, any decision, anything is coming, it's like, it hits us and like, we can either move forward in faith or fear. And like 90% of people in the world default to fear. And then they, uh, they become what I call in the book, a drifter where you're, you're drifting. You never progress or change versus the 2% are like, oh, I'm just going to do it. I don't know the way or the path, but I'm just going to st- You know, we know about faith from the church, but like, I don't think we talk about more in like every aspect of our life because it's true daily. We're all getting decisions and choices and things. And most people default to fear as opposed to moving forward in faith. When you do do move forward in faith, again, you're blessed with more ideas, more inspiration, more things.
1: What do you think the, the step towards being able to go forward in faith we can take this in a, in a religious sense, or certainly in a professional sense as well. Cause when you talk about like that fear that, that dominates us, so many of us, right. It, it 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 is what keeps us from fulfilling the potential that God has for every one of us. Some of us to be able to help, you know, liberate people from being poor and being able to, you know, provide for their families, and others very different other talents that we could be able to bring them through, but with each of those things, you know, God has a very specific intention for each of us, but many of us live under their privileges. That's something that we hear a bunch within the church. How can we, if someone's listening to this and I don't want you to spoil your next book, but I do want you to <laughs> give me a little bit of it. Uh, you know, how how do we turn off that so much louder fear and be able to take a step toward faith, whether it be religious or professional.
0: Yeah, I'll share with you a professional uh, example, but then it, it it's the same process for a religious thing. So, um, I have a friend who's a chiropractor, a uh, really good guy, and he went to chiropractic school, got out, opened his own practice, you know. And what they don't teach you in chiropractic school is how do you actually get people to come to you? They teach you how to like adjust somebody, right? So, he's got all the skill set, you know, 25 million years of school or whatever you take to get a degree. And then <laughs> I don't,
1: I don't think it's 25 million years, but it probably feels like that.
0: Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. More than I, more than I'm willing to put in. So, <laughs> um, and so he opens the practice, he's trying, he's getting some people coming in, but like, as overall, he's struggling bad to the point where he can't pay his bills, can't pay back his student loans, can't pay the SBO, a loans and like about to lose everything. And we become pretty good friends. And I remember one night, like 11 o'clock at night, he calls me, which is, you know, kind of rare. So I, you know, answer the phone and you could tell he's not in a, in a good spot in other end. And he's like, you're the marketing guru. I just need like a marketing secret. Like, give me some magic tip. Like, just give me the thing and it'll make our practice blow up. And you know, I'm like, okay, no stress or pressure. But I remember I was like, well, let me, kind of let's go and talk. And so we went into his clinic and we sat down and we started talking. And as he was talking, it was interesting because as he's talking about this thing, he's talking about the fears, like all things are going to happen. And like and that's kind of, thing, which is a normal response, right? Like we always do that. We have all these fears mm-hmm. and um, it was interesting. I said, okay, well, the reason, like, I'm like, the reason why you're not able to move forward is because these fears are holding you back. Like they're like, literally like, like holding you back from, from moving forward. Um, I said, we got to figure out like, what are the, like, what are the actual fears that you have? And we got, we're like, I need you to like, to the, you like, right out behind you, holding you back, you have to stop and like, look at them and face them, like, and write them down. So we said, okay, what's, what's the biggest fear? I'm like, <clears throat> that you have. He's like, well, if I. I don't figure this out. I'm gonna go bankrupt. So I'm like we're on the whiteboard, board, right? like bankruptcy. I'm like, cool. There's a big fear. Like, I get it. And then I'm like, what's another fear? It's like, well, if I go bankrupt, then I, I'll lose my my house. I'm like, you lose your house. And like, like, what else? And it's like, well, if I lose the house, my my in-laws are gonna think I'm a deadbeat son-in-law, right? So, like, right now, all the different fears he has, and then gives going through every single thing. I'm like, any more, anymore? And finally he's like, I think that's all of them. I'm like, cool, let's go through them now. Number one, bankruptcy. Like, you go through bankruptcy, like that's not that big of a deal. I'm like, this is literally bankruptcy laws were given to us by the founding fathers through inspiration from God. Like this is the greatest thing in the world. Like bankruptcy laws are there so the entrepreneurs like us can risk and try everything. And if we fail, we don't get thrown in jail. Like this is like worst case scenario, you're, you're using a gift from God. I'm like, And like, we went through it for a while and finally he's like, okay, like worst case, I could, I could deal with bankruptcy. It's not big a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what if you lose your house? And he's like, oh, that'd be so horrible. I'm like, dude, your house isn't that nice anyway. Like, who cares? Like, you lose your house, you got to move into your in-laws for a couple months and get in a better house. Like, who cares? You know? And so it went thing by thing by thing to help address all those fears. And after going through all of them, two, three hours later, he's, I'm, we're looking at this list. I'm like, ain't listening that bad? He's like, no, I just, I guess that's not that big of a deal. And then I was like, okay, now go do what you need to do. And it was crazy because after he's able to like be okay with the worst case scenario, then he was able to move forward and go and, and have success. And he's built a thriving practice now. And even most people, like, we're so afraid of the fear that we just don't move, like, we're like, ah, you know. Um, when, oh, okay. Here's a movie example. So, <laughs> Batman, um, new Batman came out. It's not as good as the originals, but uh, the third Batman with Bane. Do you remember this one with uh-huh. Bane? Okay. <sighs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> so, uh, if you remember that, so Bane breaks Batman's back. <laughs> Have you guys talked about Batman on any of your podcasts before? Of course. Oh, good. Okay. Everybody knows the Batman. It's gospel parallel Batman. Sure. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, so Bane breaks Batman's back and throws him into this big, huge pit with all these people, and no one's ever made it out of the pit, right? But if you can crawl out and escape, you can So what they do is they tie this big old rope around, around their waist, and they try to crawl out, and they have to jump the spot to grab it, and no one's ever actually made it, right? And so Batman heals his back, and eventually he's like, I got to get out of here to save Gotham. So he does whatever everyone does. He ties this big rope around his waist and he goes to climb and he jumps and he misses it and tries again, jumps and tries it a bunch of times, keeps missing it. And finally one night there's this old dude who's been there for his whole life. And he's like, there's only one person that's ever escaped. And it was Bane. Right. Or I think the twist. In the movie wasn't Bane. It was the girl. Anyway, I can't remember. The... I don't want to spoiler alert. Spoiler. Sorry. They <laughs> um, said the one person that ever, that ever survived it. The, the guy tells him that like the one person that ever survived did it because he jumped without the rope. Mm-hmm. Knowing the rope was there is what kept him from like, going 100% in as long as ropes protected like oh there's this thing there like i'm not going to jump all the way because you know but if you have no rope like you've got to do like you've got to jump like crazy and so batman finally is like all right that's the secret he walks up there goes with no rope and then jumps as hard as he can boom catches the ledge and then escapes and the moral of that is this thing like these fears these things are holding us back that that that's what we can't pursue like move forward right Mm -hmm. and so same thing's true in in uh in our faith personally right i think the problem with faith is not that we don't have faith. Like most of us want to have faith, but like the fears are so overwhelming and so scary to us that we're that we're just stuck. It's like a rope holding us back. we not really a jump because we're so scared of what could happen. I think if more people were more conscious and introspective and step back and look at it, and then and then become okay with the worst case scenario, then it gives you the ability to move forward. And um, anyway, so that's kind of how I would liken that to a.
1: What do, you, what do you think the fears are that surround religious like the the like the financial and professional things those fears you know as you walked them out bankruptcy sure i need to be able to provide for my family i don't have a home like there's those kind of things what do you think those religious fears
0: are that hold people back i think they're different for everyone i think for myself like the fear i always had was like what if i don't make it what if i'm not perfect and make the celestial kingdom in the third degree of this top level of celestial blah, blah, like <laughs> that stressed me out at the point where i was like Oh my gosh. Like don't mess anything up. And I got my kids and what my kids don't make it. I'm like oh, like that freaked me out for a long, long time until I was like, okay, let's say I don't make it. Like what is eternity going to look like? <laughs> right. And I was like, okay, let's say I don't make the top degree of Celestial king. Like the other ones are pretty, like seem pretty cool. And what if I don't make the telestial? What if I'm like a murderer and a horrible person? Like I'm going to live on somewhere. that looks kind of like earth. I'm like, I love her. This place is amazing. Like the worst case scenario. I got to continue. What I'm doing right here, which is insane. I love it here. So. Like that's the worst case scenario. So sweet. Anything above that's like extra points and I hope I can get the other ones. But if I don't like, this is the worst case scenario. Like, okay, so I'll do my best and I'm not going to stress about something if I screw up over here or over here because worst case scenario, like it's pretty nice, right? I don't know. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> be uh, I there, would- like me there, but you could tie it tied to t- t- anything. Like it could be, it could be word of wisdom thing. It could be like, it could be anything that, you know, anything someone has it could be a kid's like you know, right now. I'm I've got teenage kids, which my biggest fear is like I'm screwing them up, which is
1: you, you know. which, just spoiler alert, you are on some
0: level. Everyone <laughs>
1: does, you can't get out without doing it. You're just trying to <laughs> minimize the damage. If you look at it that way, if I can help you with that, worst, worst case, case scenario. Error, yes. You're, it, there will be damage just make sure that it's minimal you'll be just fine
0: <laughs> yes for sure and there you go that that would be the that's the version of it. like Look, at what's worst case scenario worst case scenario like all of us are pretty jacked up like all right who cares you know anyway hmm
1: I want to take a break real quick. Uh, when we come back, I want to uh, give people an idea because I think we sort of talked around it. Certainly people know you, Russell. They know what it is. I, w- I want to talk about what actually even a sales funnel is because I think that it's fascinating, and, and I want to ask about religious aspects of how a sales funnel could or does not apply. We'll come back and do that in the second block of the Cultural Hall. <laughs> BestDJinUtah.com, won't you please go? That is, if you are in the market for a DJ. Now, I haven't done a new one of these ads for a little bit, and I have to tell you, it's been pretty cool. I've been able to do some events for some lifers or converts here in the cultural hall. Uh, got to do a wedding back in what was that? February now? Is that what? Man, this year is flying by. Anyway, if you'd like to uh, be able to party with me, that's some offer. You can go to BestDJinUtah.com. We talk about how. Me being able to be at your event, playing music, coordinating things, keeping an eye on the clock, all of this stuff might make your event go better. I do a lot of weddings, but I can also do birthday parties. We can just hang out and listen to music if you want as well, uh, but you can't do any of it if you don't hop online and go to Best. DJinUtah.com. there's a form there that lets me know a little bit more about your event and then who knows who knows we could be partying together very soon go to BestDJinUtah.com.
2: hi friends dan the laptop man here from pc laptops with breaking news windows 11 is now here it's fast it's beautiful and it's super secure so let's make sure your computer is ready to run it if your computer isn't powerful enough, we'll show you what you need to upgrade in your old computer to make it run perfectly. If we can't upgrade your old PC to run Windows 11, we'll buy it from you and give you a credit towards any new PC laptop's computer. Now, our computer started at only $29 a month, and we have 12 months special financing. Windows 11 is simply Awesome. Bring your old computer into PC laptops right now because at PC laptops, we really love you. PClaptops.com. That's PC laptops. Com.
1: Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall if you want to be a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. You get to see the video of Russell's fine home, and I think that's an Idaho home, am I correct? Yes, it is, Boise. <laughs> you get to see his background. You also get to be a part of that secret but not sacred Facebook group where all the Patreon saints are hanging out. And you get app episodes as soon as they are recorded. You get to be able to get them there, sometimes many weeks before they're released on the podcast feed. So uh, go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. What is a
0: sales funnel, Russell? Yeah, so sales funnel, uh, this, it's funny. You think after doing this as long as I could, I have like a one word answer for it, but I don't. Um, so sales funnel, I can walk through the process. In fact, those who've been on our missions, you will understand this the best. So as a missionary, what would at least now back when I was in it, I'm not sure nowadays it's a little different, but back in the day we would go and we have to knock on like a thousand doors, right? From a thousand door knocks, maybe we get a hundred people that would answer the door. So a thousand is the top of the funnel. It's the biggest part, right? And then a hundred would actually open. So it's a little bit less. And from the hundred, like maybe 20 wouldn't slam the door in your face. Right. And then from the 20, maybe 10, you have a chance to talk with who will schedule an appointment. From the 10 you talk with, Three are there on the next return appointment. The three that are there, two actually go and they read the things they need to read. From there, one commits to baptism, from there, one gets baptized. So you knock Mm -hmm. a thousand doors to get one person to to baptism. So that's a funnel. And so in my world, the same thing, but instead of you know knocking on doors, I'm buying Facebook ads or YouTube ads or Google or Instagram or all the things, right? And bring as many people into my world as possible. And then I'm trying to 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 sift and sort to find out who are the people that I'm most likely to be able to serve with my products or my services. And so they, you know, if you I'm sure everyone has actually been through this. You may not have known how it worked, but you see an ad on Facebook, right? And you click on it, you're at the top of the funnel. So you click on that, you and 10,000 people that they clicked on it. Then you go to a landing page and landing page will usually say like, Hey, thanks for coming to my landing page. If you want a free copy of my blah, 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 my cultural hall report, my 25 coolest interviews, give me your email address right here. So they give you an email address and boom, like not hundred percent are going to give you, but you might get 30, of people give you the email address. Now you got 30% of people. And then from there, maybe you sell them your, uh, cultural hall paid group, right? Your, your, uh, your saints. Then from there, the group gets smaller, 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 all the way through, but it's shaped just like a big, huge funnel. And so that's how business and marketing all works. And so what we do in our company is we teach the the different strategies, different ways to do that. But then we also have software that helps take people um, through the process from page one to page two to page three, and you can track and see everything. And and uh, try to tweak and make things better at each step along the, the process.
1: What I love is that you instantly uh, related it to the mission. Because when I start, first started learning about sales funnels and it was because I found out about what you were doing, I was like, this is this is being a missionary. Russell has taken being a missionary and now teaches hundreds of thousands of people how to do that. That is out loud what I said when I when I saw that. And I was like, good, good for him. That, that, that's amazing. So I guess the question that I have, just to immediately jump to it, then is: Do you feel like this is a valuable way in which we could find, teach, and bring people to Christ, or is that making that business and that sort of a like that's a a, a place that we don't want to overstep or or something like that?
0: No, not at all. It is a million percent. In fact, um, we've been working with the church on different things and um i'm actually my calling in our stake slash mission is to do that for our ward. so or excuse me for our for our mission so we just um uh last month we, we've been testing a bunch of things and so far uh, things we weren't testing weren't working until we figured out one that uh hit last month and it crushed it and then we have one happening again right now and i'm hoping if we get it to work my goal is then to um uh some of my friends are uh are running the social media department of the mission so of the church so hopefully if we can perfect the model, we're going to show it to them and hopefully have it happening all around the, the, um, the world, but this is basically what it is. And it's been, like I said, we've done, uh, we've done one and we're in the middle of the second one right now. And it is insane. So what we did is we ran, uh, there's different types of funnels. So we, there's a type of funnel called a challenge funnel. And, uh, so what we did is, is we set up what we call the five day prayer challenge. And then we started buying ads, just people in our local Boise area. So just, you know, just this little tiny demographic and, um, we ended up getting about 150 people uh, the first week to register for this prayer challenge. And it cost us about $10 per lead. So it cost me about $1,500 to get those people. What was cool is when people joined the prayer challenge, we told them to invite their friends and they started inviting their friends and inviting their friends. And we ended up doubling the size of the group. We had over 300 people in the group before the actual prayer challenge started. Um, and so that cut our cost from $10 lead down to about $5 lead, which is really good nowadays, especially you know, because of the Apple Facebook wars, which you guys probably don't know about. But anyway, thanks the, a lot, uh, Zuckerberg. That's all I yeah, had to say. Thanks yeah, a lot, Zuckerberg Zuckerberg and Apple don't like each other. So yeah. it jacked up all my costs. But anyway, regardless, that's really good. Like $5 per lead to come in is really is is insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the, then what happens is the prayer challenge happens. So, uh, we promote it for like a week and then the prayer challenge starts on Monday. So our next prayer challenge starts tomorrow. And what's cool is like, this is giving all the, the ward missionaries something to do as well. So all the ward missionaries now are jumping into this prayer challenge group, and they're like welcoming people and saying hi, and getting to know. So we have 300 people in the room. And then uh, each night at like 7 p.m. Eastern time, the missionaries jump in there and do a f- 10 to 15 minute training on prayer. So like we have, we, have, uh, we have lessons and stuff kind of figured out. And uh, what's crazy is the very, first, the very first one we did, we had 150 people watch the, the day one of the prayer challenge. And it was funny because afterwards, the I was like, oh, was that good? Is that bad? I was like, I spent two years knocking doors. I did not teach 150 first discussions. You did it <laughs> in one night. I was like, this is a big deal. And then day number two, they taught the next challenge. And we had like, I can't remember, 100, again, it's a funnel. So maybe 100 people to listened to the second one. And then day three, day four, and then on day four and day five, then we invited the people who were watching the prayer challenge to message them to set up like an actual discussion to go deeper and, and talk about Christ and how these, this prayer stuff can work with them. And so again, that was the first test, and it did amazing. The next test happened, right now. I haven't seen the statue this week. But the next prayer challenge starts tomorrow for us. And um, and yeah, so there's one version that if we can get it to work, uh, we could run prayer challenges. We could run like how to speak English challenges. We could run uh, learn about Christ challenge. Like there's a million different types of challenges we can run. But um, but imagine like imagine on your mission walking into a room with 300 people who just raise their hands saying want well, to learn about Christ or prayer or whatever, and then be able to walk in there and like teach them and they're a captive audience who listening to you and then have all the member missionaries like in there talking to them and like inviting them to activities and like all this stuff that could happen. Like it would be insane. So I'm really positive about it. like, I think it's going to be huge. Uh, like I said, we're still in the testing phase of it, but um, so far it looks really, really promising.
1: I think that's amazing. And I think it just shows like um, forward thinking. I think that there are probably some people who are super uncomfortable with it, that, right? Like it seems like businessfying, <laughs> That's not a word I just made up, but we'll go with it. Like making <laughs> business process. out of making business out of the gospel, and and uh, and and I would agree that that would be uncomfortable. But that's not what this is. It's just taking the um, you know the advances and the uh, the capabilities of social media, especially to be able to get more people in the room to be able
0: to to share that message. That's well, think awesome. About there was a version of it happening. When we were on our missions. Where was your mission at? I was in Cleveland, Ohio, baby. Oh. I'm going to be Cleveland next month. That's crazy. Anyway, um, so what's crazy? Like, think about like we used to get media referrals. Remember this? Like, there'd be a TV. Mm -hmm. Like, get a free Lamb of God video, get a free Bible, get a free Book of Mormon, and the the, like. The church was paying I don't know five hundred or thousand bucks per lead for those, just you know, like it was crazy. And then they come to us missionaries, and I don't know about you, but like one out of ten of the media referrals actually would like let us in the door, let us talk, Mm -hmm. and so it happened, but it was really ineffective. But this is happening anyway. Like it, it's I mean, it's it is a business. Like if you look at it, like not that we're trying to like. Generate revenues and all that kind of stuff, but it conceptually it's run just like a business. You know, like we've tried to model our business structure the same as the church does, because hey, they've pretty smart, they've got a good business structure, you know, and like mm-hmm. the way they structure the quorums and the bishops and the like everything like that. Like it's it's just good principle, like they're true principles. So it doesn't matter if it's in business or in religion, like they're, they're truth, and truth is truth.
1: I would agree with that, but I think that probably rub rubs some people the wrong way, in that, like, walk the walk with me on this walk for a second. Like we <laughs> we sort of think. Like, um, you know, when, when, when you're dating and you're going to meet that person that you're going to marry, right? Like, mm-hmm. It would be great if 25 years ago we would have had those apps that you could have been like, okay, I want to kind of see the people that I might be able to go out with and I want to kind of know their interests. And so you can, you know, funnel those people down. But in our mind, we sort of go, no, I just want to, I want to be at a bookstore happenstance one day. Be <laughs> the <And>, one. <laughs> and, and, and that person will just come in and we'll just sort of know and we'll just sort of talk. And I, I think that there's, um, there there's an element of that when we talk about you know being led by the spirit or by you know having that divine intervention in our life that when we when we look at it from sort of this business perspective that maybe that takes a little bit of that out for folks that i don't think it really does take it out of it but they we sort of romanticize the way that you know, the person had the dream, and then the elders came to the house. And and it's really like, nah, they, this person needed something in their life. They decided to take a, up on a prayer challenge. Prayer led them to God. Missionaries taught them about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Boom, they got baptized.
0: Yeah. But I think, uh, and this may help people more comfortable, like, because maybe you weren't on the front of it. But on our side, like, I'm looking at, um, like, the miracles that happened on our side to be able to figure this out. Like, we, we ran probably— I don't know, 20, 30 different tests trying to generate leads to missionaries and they were so expensive and so hard to duplicate and so hard. And it was literally like fasting and prayer and thinking through things. When one of my one of my friends who uh, um, who works with me, who happens to be a member as well, he had this idea, inspiration like, oh, what if we did this? And it was like, oh, like that's, it's crazy. And those things happen all the time. The same thing like um, Operation Underground Railroad. When I first got introduced to that organization, it's um, <laughs> kind of a funny, I don't know how, how much story you want to hear, but like- Let's do it. Let's do it. The story was I was teaching an event in my office and I came in during my lunch break and on my phone, there was a missed call. And then there's a text message saying, Hey, Elder Ballard uh, needs to talk to you if you can call this number, which <laughs> I have never talked to an apostle ever. I was like, Oh no, either I'm getting excommunicated, or I'm being a mission president. And both of those sounds horrible. I was like, <laughs> no, like, like, I don't, I don't, you know, I was just freaking out. But anyway, I ended up calling him back after like freaking out for a long time. And he asked me like, have you ever heard of Operation Underground Railroad? And I had not the time. I'm like, no, I never heard of him. And he kind of told me what it was. And he's like, you're supposed to do something to help them. I'm like, what's that? He's like, that's up to you. You should pray about it. <laughs> I was like, okay. like <laughs> That was literally the direction. And this has happened, by the way, more than once in, anyway, in this journey with, with them and with him. And so I was like, okay. And then, so that was kind of the first thing. So then I called up Tim Ballard up and got to know each other a little bit. And I was like, he sent us to help you. How do I help? How do you want help? He's like, I don't know. Have you prayed about it yet? I'm like okay <laughs> so. <laughs> It's funny. So in my head, like I start, I flip into business wrestling. I'm like, okay, well, if this was me, this is what I do. And I like, I had this plan to v- develop, I had everything figured out. I had We'd mapped out like the funnels and the model, everything we we're going to do. And uh, we're supposed to drive to Salt Lake this morning to like present it to Elder Ballard and Tim Ballard. This is the vision. And so I had it all done. we spent so much time, energy and effort. It was just like, I was so proud of what we were created. And I was like, we're going to like save all these kids. It's going to be awesome. And that morning we're getting ready to like, before we drive down, I'm in the shower and I just have this like, uneasy feeling like, like, this is not like, I don't know, like something, it just didn't feel right. And I was like, but no, we spent so much energy on it. And so I'm, I'm fighting back and forth and finally I start praying. Like, I'm about to go over like, like, if we need to change something, please let me know ASAP. Cause I don't even know what's like. And also I felt this really strong impression. Like you're supposed to make a documentary. And I was like, I don't know how to make a documentary. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, this guy named Nick Nanton is supposed to help you. And I was like, Nick Nanton. And I was like, this is, he's this guy who like six years earlier, I met an event. We said, hi, maybe like a 32nd thing. I was like, I don't think he knows who I am. Um, and I know he does documentaries, but like, I don't know what that looks like, what it costs. Like, but like, that was a very strong impression. And so I had my phone and I pulled my phone and so I look, look him on Facebook and friend request him. And then I audio messaged like, Hey man, I don't know if you remember who I am, but like, I told him the whole story of, of what's happened. I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to make a documentary and you're supposed to be the one making it. And like, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and, uh, again, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know his religious beliefs, his background or anything. Just that was it. And within 30 seconds, he messaged me back. He's like, He's like, brother. He's like, I just felt the spirit. Uh, he's not LDS. He's a Christian, but not LDS. He's like, I feel the spirit. Um, I'm supposed to be part of this. He's like, I will willing to, um, I'm willing to do this. I will do it at cost. And, uh, and I will give you guys the rights to everything that way. There's no, there's nothing in it for me other than just, um, because they they tried to make the documentary two or three times in the past and had all sorts of weird stuff happen. And I was like, okay. And so I'm like, okay, scrap all of our plans. And we're driving to Utah. I'm like, okay. Like mess my team, like make a cover of like, what have, documentary look like we got to show something we show up here and so we're scrambling we're into kinkos and salt lake we're printing stuff out and we came we showed it to them and uh and they're like this is it that's exactly what we needed like perfect and then we went and did that and made it and then it's crazy And then like a year later i get another call it's right after covid hit i was in this room and they're like can you come to salt lake tonight And i'm like i'm in boise They're like yeah. well, can you jump on zoom then so i jump on zoom not thinking that i'm about to meet with elder ballard so i'm like wearing a t-shirt and he's like shirt and tie everything i'm like oh i feel like, so awkward right now <laughs> And the First thing that Tim Ballard says is like, Welcome to your disciplinary council. I'm like, What? He's like, Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) But literally, Ella Ballard said the same thing. He's like, Um, he's like, Thank you so much for help so far. He's like, There's something that's supposed to be happening, and you're you need to help. Like, what is it? He's like, I don't know, you need to pray about it. It's like, Thank you for the clear direction. And um, that night we prayed about it, and um, long story short, had a very clear, like, this is what you need to create, and we've been creating it. And um, anyways, just it's it's fascinating. So even though you may feel like, Oh, this is just like, we're running ads and stuff. I think there's thought and inspiration happening that of how do we develop these ads? How do we create a challenge? How do we create like th- those things are happening? Um, I mean, I could tell you a thousand other miracles happened just in the operation underground railroad filming of that documentary that weren't supposed to happen. That just magically the Lord put things in places and people in places that have now opened up this conversation to so many more people, you know? And so, um, it's definitely there. It's just maybe not always the the front line that you see it, but inspiration is definitely coming through.
1: Is, is it just a, a way that you lead your life that you're sort of open to being prompted by the spirit? I, it, 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 to say, I think that, like, um, I don't know that I would give you the, the term eccentric. I don't think that's what I would, would call it. A lot of my
0: friends say I am.
1: But like, <laughs> uh, you know, to be able to be like, yeah, we prepared a huge presentation and then God told me differently. So we did something completely different the morning of. It's a little eccentric. It's a little extreme. Is it just that, you know, you're kind of walking in the path with God and you're like, yeah, I'll be good so long as I, you know, follow those promptings? Or how are you able to to lead a life that way?
0: Oh, that's a oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I know the answer, Um, especially because, like, I feel normal. Like, I, I have... S- I don't know. I, I make as many, if not more mistakes than anybody else does along the way. So that's what I don't want people to think like, Oh, I live in a way that I can always do revelation. It's not that because I'm, I'm a constantly struggling with the same things we're all struggling with. Um, I think the big difference maybe is that like when I, when I do get something, I just do it. Like um, I remember when I, when I started wrestling um, my, uh, I wrestled my sophomore year and my sophomore year, I didn't even qualify for state tournament. I joined this, um, this wrestling club called the Elite, which was really hard to get into. And I got into it. And I was like, so proud to be part of it. And I remember going to the very first tournament and Greg Williams, who's the head wrestling coach at UVU right now, but he was, um, he was my, my freestyle Greco coach at the time. He went out there and I was wrestling my match. And I got tapped through the match. We come off for, our, for the period break. And he's like, hey, you're, he tells me three or four things I'm doing wrong. Like, Your elbows are out, you're high, like a couple of things. So I'm like, okay, I heard it. So I went back in and I, and I did what he told me to do. And then it beat the kid. And he, I remember I came off, I came off um, the mat he looked at me kind of weird. I was like, what did I do it wrong? And he was like, he's like, I have a ton of kids I coach. He's like, but I told you to do something. You went and just did it. He's like, you are one of the most coachable athletes I've ever met. And in my mind, when he said that, like, for me, it was an identity shift where I was like, because prior to that, like, if, if I'm honest, like, my identity was like, I'm dumb. I'm not very smart. Like, I struggled in school. I barely passed high school. Like, I, I wasn't a good student. Um, and so I always thought I was dumb. And when he told me, like, you're coachable, like, that became, again, my identity. I was like, hey, I'm coachable. I, when someone tells me something, I'm going to do it. And, um, and so for me, like amongst, you know, insane amounts of flaws and problems and things I have, like one thing I am is I'm coachable. So if someone tells me to do something, I just do it. Um, if I trust the source it came from, let me, let me caveat that. <laughs> well, I trust the source. And I'm big on like picking, like, like if, if I pick you is like, you're like, I trust you, like, I will like, whatever you say, I will do to the T because I'm coachable. And cause you know, in fact, um, <laughs> uh, we talked about Tony Robbins earlier, but Tony's one of my mentors. He's, if he hasn't known Tony, he's six foot seven, like the biggest dude in the world, uh, the most connected person on the planet. He knows, anyway, it's insane, but knows um, everyone
1: and everyone knows him.
0: Yeah. Tony's yeah. Am- amazing. And I've been lucky enough to have become a friend with him. And, um, but one of my friends was, <laughs> he wrote his blog post and he was talking about his morning routine. And it was like, it was crazy, like 500 steps and all the supplements he takes. And then he wrote in the, in the blog post, like, you want to know why I do this? He's like, as Tony Robbins told me to, and I believe, or, and I obey all giants who fly helicopters and have stage presence. <laughs> and that became like my mantra. Like, okay, if I believe that like, you're my guru, you're my person, like, like, I will, like, as soon as I've you, I'm like, hey, I trust you. Then I will obey all giants with helicopters, money, and stage presence. Like in every area of my life. It's so, like my health coaches, my business coach, like the people I, I connect to, like when they tell me to do something, I just do it because I hired them to, you know, and I struggle because I'm a coach nowadays, the most frustrating thing is someone pays me insane amounts of money for coaching um like just i feel like a dork talking about just like like people pay me one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to meet with me twice a year they come and then they ask my opinion i tell them what to do and then they don't do it i'm like i'm like you don't understand like like you're paying me insane amounts of money for my opinion i give my opinion they don't do it like why the other way if i if i trust you and i'm asking your opinion i again i obey all giants with helicopters money and stage presence like i'll just do what we say because i because i trust you so anyway i don't know so when god tells me something i just all right, I'm gonna do it because, yeah.
1: yeah, I I think that's so fascinating to just be, and, and it is right. How many of us, if we just did the thing that we know within the side inside of our brain, just did the thing that we know we should be doing, would find ourselves in a much better situation, <laughs> and then. You know, extrapolate that out to other people who are saying, you know, you probably should just do this. If we just followed those people, we're able to trust we'd find ourselves (laughs) in in that better situation. And that's crazy to spend that much money and be like, Russell, I want to know what you think. And then they're like, yeah, I just didn't do it. I'm just not going to do it. I don't trust you. Yeah. Here, have another check, but also I'm not going to do the thing that you said. Uh, I want to take another break. Uh, when we come back in the third block, there are three questions that we ask everyone uh, who steps into the draw hall. I'll ask those of you. Plus, we'll round out a couple other things as well. We'll do that coming back in the third block. <sighs> When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit Lennondesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always suggest guests that we have. Contact at the theculturalhall.com. That's the email address. Never closes. I uh, would love to hear what you think about this episode. If you're like, that Russell Brunson, he's up in the night. <laughs> you can do that. You could send them an email, contact at theculturalhall.com, or, and more likely, you can send the email that'll be like, oh my gosh, I was so inspired by the words that you guys shared. Uh, you can do that, contact at theculturalhall.com. Now, Russell, you have also uh, kind of jumped in a whole like Book of Mormon challenge and, and a bunch of reading uh, two parts of this. One is like a, a, like a read every day kind of thing. And then one is like, read the book of Mormon in 24 hours.
0: Let's talk about what you're doing in that space. Oh man. Um, yeah. So you said earlier, I'm eccentric and there's definitely a lot of truth to that. So, um, I've always wanted, so, okay, let me step back. So I always wanted a first edition book of Mormon. I thought that'd be really cool. And then, uh, but there are, yeah. When I started looking, I was like, oh my gosh, never yeah. mind. That's not, that, that's not that cool. <laughs> You're
1: like, babe, hey, can we buy this? How much, sweetheart? You're
0: no, no,
1: absolutely not.
0: Yeah. So I remember I found one on eBay that was actually reasonably priced, um, considering like what they're normally priced. And one day it was like a bad day at work. And I was like, oh, I need something to make me feel good. And so anyway, that's how I made myself feel good. I bought that. And I was like, this is the craziest thing. So I got my first, first edition Book of Mormon. And it was like the coolest thing. And uh, I remember the, the best part about it was when I got it, um, I, we had a family with the kids and I told them the story and showed them the pictures of the printing press and how it worked, how there's 5,000, there's only like 350 left on the earth and everything. And I told the whole story and then I was like, check this out. And I pulled it out and they're like, oh, that's one of them. So that was really cool. Um, and then I was like, I was like, I want to, uh, I was like, I want to read this whole thing. Like, cause most people, like you see the first editions. they are like, they're on glass and people have like, you know, like gloves on and like. You know, paper or uh, what what is like tweezers turn the pages. Yeah. And stuff. I was like, I don't care about that. I bought it because I want to read it. So I wanted to read it, and I remember I was like, Well, how am I going to justify reading this? And I was like, Oh, Parley P. Pratt's birthday was like I can't remember a month or two in the future, and so I set a day. I took a whole day off of work. I'm going to read the entire thing in one day, just like Parley P. Pratt did. And uh, and I started. I tried. I read 18 hours um, before I like I couldn't keep my eyes open. I got about halfway through, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> um, but it was really it was like a really special time to read it, and to uh, it was just really really cool. And Then I decided I wanted to um, create a podcast, as you like to do. Sure. And I have I have business podcasts and things like that, and like I, I love podcasting, and so I'll, um and one of the things I learned about myself, I'm sorry, this is the nerd Russell come out. I'm big into personality profiling and like testing and stuff. And one of my traits is like my highest uh, value, highest driver is is ROIs, like what's the return on investment, which is why I struggled so much in school because I'm sitting there like like, why am I learning this? Right. Like I couldn't, mm-hmm. it was really difficult for me, but if I'm in a conversation where like, I'm, I'm really like, getting something out of it there's a return on my investment of time, then like, I really value it. And like, I love it. And so same thing was true with, with church stuff. Like I'd read scriptures and it was awesome. But a lot of times, like what's the return on the investment? Like it was hard for me to, to, to figure those things out. So it was hard for me to continue to be consistent with it. And I was like, if I turn this into a podcast where like, I'm reading and I'm talking about, it, I'm learning, like now there's in my mind, there's an ROI of like, I'm doing something, but I get to share it with people. And like, it became exciting for me. So that's why I launched the book of Mormon challenge podcast initially. And for a while it was just me, just, I'd be reading stuff and I would share ideas back and forth. And I did that for, I don't know, a dozen episodes or so. And then it got really hard to keep up with it all. And I was like, I was like, but I, I don't, we had a good following. I'm like, I want more people. Like I want people to actually, the goal of the podcast was to get people to actually read the book of Mormon. And I was like, well, do I, do I just like, do I read it on the microphone? I'm like, that sounds really hard. And like, I was like, I need how do I get this to happen? And so Eventually I found, um, you know, Cleon Scows, and he's one of my favorite LDS mm-hmm. scholars, but mm-hmm. uh, he passed away a couple of years ago and I contacted his family and he has like the uh, Book of Mormon commentary where uh, this guy reads it and he gives commentary. And so I licensed that from them. And so now the podcast, for the most part, has been just uh, going through the entire Book of Mormon, like hearing um, this guy read the Book of Mormon, and then Scows and like giving interpretation, which has been really fun. So that's where it started. And then um, about a year ago, uh, I got more and more into old books. And so um, I ended up, I've ended up buying a whole bunch of old LDS books and a whole bunch. Anyway, I'm getting geeky Russell. I'm actually building a library for all these books I'm I'm collecting. But on the LDS side, I have a whole bunch of first edition Book of Mormons, first edition Doctrine and Covenants, first edition Pro Great Price and uh, Inspired Version of the Bible. I got a first uh, edition Emma Smith Hymnal, which is the the second most rare LDS book in the world. I'm trying to get a first edition book of commandments right now, which is the most rare LDS book, but that one's much harder to get. So anyway, that's kind of my passion now is I love collecting the old, the old books.
1: (laughs) And for people that can't see uh, the nerdy face on uh, Russell right now, you can tell he just is (laughs) so enthused and it's fun. I I mean, I'm not collecting first edition and stuff like that, but I have like old church pamphlets and the old books and stuff like that. And I just I love being able to to read through them and being like, "Huh, okay, this is where we were certainly I don't feel like this is where we're at anymore i I don't think we could distribute these in, in large scale anymore i I just I just find it fascinating to have all those things the big question though do you have a Kirtland bank note have you no have you no, but wouldn't no. that be cool? That would be cool. Deseret <laughs> alphabet. Do you have one? Anything in I the do. Deseret I alphabet? First, I have
0: a first edition Book of Mormon in Deseret, which I didn't know it was a thing until like two months ago, and I found one. I was like, oh, "What?" and I freaked out about that. You know, that's the thing. And then I bought every Deseret uh, rare or LDS book I could find. So yeah, yeah.
1: Now, cool. now we're just two middle aged nerd, <laughs> nerdy <laughs> guys being like, "And did you see? And did you have?" It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I, I just think it's. Um, it's pretty cool to see how it would be easy for you to be a jerk, Russell. You, I mean, you're, you're very, you know, you're very intelligent as far as this goes. You found a lot of famous success and all that. And it'd be really easy for you to be like, you know, like some that are in that space that are unapproachable, who don't care about what the, the work that they're doing actually can accomplish and, and change in the lives of people. Um, there are people that would find themselves in that situation and, and and sort of feel and then put forward that they'd be bigger than God and, and would leave that kind of thing in the dust. And so it, it is... Um, It's it's remarkable to be able to hear not only the eccentric part of you, which is just fun, (laughs) but also you know the humility.
0: Everyone really geek out, but yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) the humility that comes through and being like, yeah, and I'm and I'm working with my uh, my mission to do, you know, to bring people to Christ through the principles that I've learned, and I really think that like when we talk about like consecrating our lives, like that's the thing. God made you good at things, and then see how that that works to be able to. To bring people to Christ, and and so I think that's a, a pretty tremendous example of of what you're doing. And so I I, I appreciate not only you doing that, but also coming in to, to share a little bit about it. Um, I have to I have to share something with you that uh, that do Do you have any regrets in your life? Oh, yes, so many.
0: Uh, what specific? Something from high school? Yeah. What do you What do you remember that I don't remember? No. no so
1: so here is what. Um, here is here is a regret that I have in my life that actually revolves around you. Oh no! Okay. Yes. So this is probably 13 or 14 years ago. You send me a Facebook message that says, "Hey, I want to send you something in the mail, <laughs> and I'd love for you to read it." And I don't think I I don't think I sent you uh, the address for a good long time. Or if you did send me something. I don't remember reading it, but there was just sort of this disconnect thing. And so, in my mind, now this is this is a small R regret, but in my mind, like I feel like I could have been one of the first people to learn about your sales funnel thing, and like me and you would walk into the sunset as companions of of power and teach him from the street, you know, all these kind of things. And because I didn't reply to that Facebook message 13 years ago. You are where you are, and I am where I am. And it's, it, it's funny. I've looked back on that, uh, not often, but on occasion when you come up, I go, yeah, yeah, you know, he reached out to me 13 years ago, and I didn't I get back to
0: him. So. That's fascinating. I think that's that. kind of funny.
1: Uh, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, and I'll ask those of you right
0: now. The first question is: is, do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? Yes, I do. I am. I don't know the official name, but I'm like the social media missionary lead generation dude for the stake slash mission,
1: which I'm pretty sure they made up because you're in the mission. Because yeah. I've never heard the social media lead generation. I think it's called in- like the
0: communication something, but I can't remember the. Yeah, it was easier to remember the other
1: thing. <laughs> if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up,
0: what would you pick? Full-time sacrament speaker, 100%. Oh, yeah? I hate teaching classes. I love speaking from the pulpit. So, yeah, I would speak every Sunday if that was a, an opportunity for me. I'm going to walk this out
1: one step further then. What would you speak on this Sunday? Because today we're recording this on a Sunday. You have seven days. You're speaking next Sunday. What would you speak on? Ooh, the
0: Book of Mormon, for sure, 100%. What about? You got to get specific
1: uh, I, with me. Don't, specific. don't deal in generalities
0: with me. Oh, I can give you the talk right now. Do you want it? yeah i'll take a little um, oh, bit of it i think that way anyway no i would i'll talk because me collecting all the old uh first editions it's been cool because i've learned the history behind so much of it like and like the power of the printed word and how it works like i would talk about that but then more specifically like just helping people understand like one of my i mean mcconkie has got a million insane quotes about the book of mormon but one of my favorite holland one is talking about people leave the church and it's interesting he says that you can go he's like the the book mormon is literally the great stumbling block you can go above it or around it or around it but like you like it's there and you like it's the great stumbling block and it'd be about that and help people understand, like, cause everyone I know, I'm, I'm sure similar to you. I've got tons of friends and family who are leaving the church and it's, um, but it's always something around the stumbling block. Like they can't discount um, that. And so it's the most powerful, most important thing we have. I, I have a
1: question around that for you. Uh, one that I wasn't anticipating asking, but because you kind of brought it to the surface, H- how do you deal with that? I mean you're you're a very loving and compassionate person but I like you have many people who have left the church and sometimes I'm like no what are you doing and other times I'm like what am, am I missing something is there something maybe that 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 I'm not getting like I don't I don't go to that place of doubt very often but but I, I'm a very loving person. I also want to be logical and kind and all these things. Like if someone, if someone comes to you, is it just like, Hey, I love you and whatever path you take. How do you deal with that personally?
0: Yeah. First off, it's hard. Like it hurts. Like, I'm sure like it's, you know, so that's, that's the first thing. Um, second thing is I've never seen somebody come back to the church because all their friends and family inside the church, like shamed them into it. Like that doesn't happen. Mm. Um, the reason why people come back is because they they want something, they value something, right? And so um one of my my mentors says something really cool. They're talking about um just how you actually cause change and like um they have a whole philosophy they teach, they're in the the relationship market, it's really fascinating. But they they said that most people what they do is a thing called demand relationship, where they try they demand you to do something, and that's that's where like most Marriages are built off most families, most kids. This is the thing called demand relationship. And they said the problem with demand relationship, is as soon as like people have the ability to leave, like everything crumbles, right? I think the church has a big problem with this because we try to demand people do what we want. Like, so a good example is marriages, right? Um, for a long time, you got married, and you couldn't get divorced. And so what happened is the, the, usually the power player in the marriage, and typically it's the men, but a lot of times it's women as well, they demand someone to do something else and they can't leave, right? Because it was marriages, you couldn't get divorced back in the day. But as soon as someone can leave, the demand relationship breaks same with kids like kids are in your house and you can demand them to do stuff in your force as soon as they leave like that that breaks and like demand relationships is the fastest thing that pushes people away from whatever it is from you from god from all these kind of things and then the opposite side and by the way demand relationship if you sync it with like satan's plan is it's like word for word the same it's fascinating yet that's what all of us are preaching amongst ourselves that's what we're doing in mm-hmm. church we're doing our families and the opposite side they call it um uh, transformation through inspiration which is what christ did like he led the most insane life he did all these cool things. Like. He was perfect so people look at and be like oh my gosh like i want that whatever he's drinking i want that mm-hmm. And so for me it's like oh, it hurts when they leave but instead of shaming them and hating them, like i want to be the the brother or the friend or whatever who first off loves them no matter what and second off is living this lifestyle and so happy so when they look over like man i want what russell's drinking was it like what's the cool that he's drinking over there it's like oh it's that thing i forgot about right and if and if they're you know like if sometime they they get this they feel the spirit and it pricks them they want to make a change Who are they going to call first? The person who was judgmental, who yelled at them, or the person who like loved them no matter what. And so for me, and this is hard, this is not like, this is not natural for any of us. What's natural is this demand relationship, like must force them to be good. But that's what pushes people away and and severs the relationship versus like, that sucks. It hurts. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm going to keep living this way. I'm going to be happy. And like, when you want to drink the Kool-Aid with me, like we want you back. And like, that's how my wife and I tried to do is the best of our ability. We're not perfect at all. Um, but I think that's the only way that we can really serve people is to, to show them through, like, we need to inspire them to want to, to want to come back, not to guilt them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. The last question that I ask everyone uh, that steps into the cultural hall, I ask you to interpret it however you would like, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith?
0: Oh, that's cool. My favorite part of my faith. Um, I would say the thing that's meant the most to me that I value the most for my faith is when you actually follow it is who you become on the journey. Um, hmm. Like I'm big into personal development. Like I study all the greats. Like that's I'm trying to become something I'm trying to. And the church is the best personal development program in the world. I don't think people look at that way. And I think, you know, and I I'm, I'm up for like, I like Carson. I was a wrestler, I like coaches yelling at me, like, you know, like not eating for five days or like, I'm, I love that. I wish the church did more of that and obviously they can't because it pushes some people away and all that kind of stuff. But like, when you actually follow it, like when you follow the word of wisdom, the way it was written, as opposed to the way that most people live it, like you get healthy, right? Like when you follow the commandments, when you do the things, um, like it, it changes you like nothing else can. And I think so many times we're so afraid of it. Like, anyway, I'm the, I'm the hardcore guy who's like the word of wisdom, like we should be eating meat sparingly. We should not be doing, you know, like, and so again, I'm more of the hardcore side, but those who actually follow what's written, um, man, it'll, it'll, it'll change you and you become something amazing, which is why we're here on earth, right? Like who we're going to become. God doesn't care about how much money we make, doesn't care about, um, you know, state titles we win as wrestlers, doesn't care about all he cares about who we become on the journey. And so, um, I think that the gospel and, you know, everything that I study and read from personal development and that, you know, the events I attend and all these kind of things in my book, my next book's a personal development book, like all those things are just, um, they're, uh, they're taking the gospel, which is perfect. And it's like, here's a way to interpret it to help you to be more successful, be happier, to be healthier, like all those kind of things. And so that's, I don't know, that's what I love about it the most. When, uh, when does your book come out? Well, <laughs> got to finish uh, writing it, it seems. Yeah, no, I have I'm in the middle of it. So my publisher, so, so again, this will be my fourth uh, published book. And so my patterns, it's a horrible pattern. If anyone writes a book, like I usually write, like it's happened. Every time. I wrote the entire book and then I got finished and I hated it. So then I literally just like highlight and delete it. And then I do an event where I teach it in front of a group of people. And then I understand the principle, like it, the principle are clear in my head and the stories are clear and I rewrite it. And I do that with all three books, not realizing it. And then this fourth book, I'm like, no, I'm just going to write it. So I wrote, I was 250 pages in and I realized I hated it. And then last week we were in Cancun with my uh, my inner circle group and we had about 600 people in the room and I taught it in the group. And so now I'm taking that and we're coming back and I'm going re- to start the second right, the second version, um, hopefully actually tomorrow. I'm planning on getting the, the beginning done, but it's probably probably a good five or six months uh, before I'll have the manuscript done. And then, then you the, yeah, you know, it's probably a good year before it's out in bookstores and stuff.
1: And if people want to uh, follow the latest and greatest or get to know more about you, where do you point them?
0: Um, the best part, po- uh, marketingsecrets.com is my main site, which from there you have links to my books, my podcast, my um, all the things from a business standpoint. If you want like the the religious side, uh, my podcast is bookamormonchallenge.com. If you go there, you can subscribe to it. And um, that's kind of the best ways I know.
1: All right, Russell, uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the ca- time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, Brother Brent, Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, and Miracles, I told you so, will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat, on the back row. Show.